I'm very clear that brands are critical contenders in the fight for social justice because they have the most powerful weapon of all. They have a relationship with the people that they sell to, not to do for them or to take from them, but to be in a mutually beneficial relationship where we all profit from progress. Welcome back to Talking on Tap. I'm Elaine McCrimmon, Global Director of Reputation and External Engagement at ABI, and your host of ABM Bab's podcast series about our people, our brands, and our purpose. In this episode, we're talking with the founder of Brands on a Mission, author, speaker, and brand expert, Dr. Miriam Sidibe. Miriam's time working with NGOs to her 15-year career at Unilever led Miriam to the insight that consumer brands have a unique ability in the world to lead change for good. Led by the power of consumer choice, business can both pioneer and operationalize new ways to address social justice. For the past two years, Miriam has been working with ABMBAV by creating a social norms toolkit and coaching internal teams to create better social norms marketing campaigns that both inspire consumers and promote our brands. So how did Miriam come to the realization that answering consumer needs can lead to a more sustainable and equitable world? And how does she share these learnings with companies? Join my conversation with Miriam and let's find out. I'm very pleased to be joined by a very special external guest, Miriam Sidibe, author, speaker, and brand expert. Miriam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Elaine. It's such a pleasure to be on this show today. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Great. First off, could you tell us more about your career and the inspiration behind the book, Brands on a Mission? Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I think I have been sharing some of this with some of your colleagues at ABM Bev over the last couple of years. But, you know, I'm originally from Mali. I grew up in over 20 countries around the world, and I do consider myself a global citizen. I grew up in a family of eight workers. I always knew that I wanted to work for the most vulnerable in this world. Every dinner conversations in my family when I was growing up was centered around social justice. So I went to engineering school. I started my career at an American NGO in Africa, in Burundi in 2000, responsible for building toilets and hand washing facilities in war zones. And what I found was that many of these facilities remain completely unused as people preferred open air to our toilets and using them rather than storing, you know, dry grains, right? So it looked like the value of dry grains exceeded the value of a safe toilet that would promote positive health outcomes or protect girls' dignities during their period and keep them safe from rape, for example. And at this NGO, we knew that didn't feel right, but what to do about it just wasn't clear. We kept talking about beneficiaries, and it was a term that bothered me deeply as did the constant focus on the donor's face for everything. Our success depended on writing grant application for funding. And those grants measured success by how many toilets we built, not on whether they were being used. And whilst our business model was seen as successful, something was never quite right. Even as my colleagues and I kept seeing a lot of empty toilets, as the beneficiaries weren't using them as intended. So I started to think, really, there must have been a better solution. So I went back to school. I did a doctorate in public health from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. I spent a couple of years researching and monitoring children washing hands or rather not washing hands. And I went to present my findings to the company that had funded my research, Unilever, and they offered me a job. 
And I completely fell in love with a crucial concept. And as crazy as this sounds, the concept was called consumer. And for the young professional that I was, this was completely transformational, right? Because unlike the NGOs that were using the end users as beneficiaries, you never saw the power in consumers, people's power, agency, and their ability to make choices. So instead of taking care of someone, Unilever treated consumers, however vulnerable they might be, with respect and dignity. That's because consumers yeah. have a choice, right? They choose with their wallet what to do with their money, however modest this means. So the same young African women in rural villages that the aid sector was calling beneficiaries, Unilever was calling consumers and dedicating all its time, its resources to understand what color of soap appealed to her, what fragrance might get her to wash hands. And at the same time, the same company was spending a lot of time thinking about toilet cleaning and the fact that, you know, you needed to tackle malodor as a way to do that. It just gave me a lot of hope because I went from giving resources to beneficiaries in Africa who had no choice to making solutions attractive to consumers who did have a choice, however humble their circumstances were. And I think by doing so, I have achieved so much more than I could have done in the public sector alone. And that for me is the starting point of my, you know, 20 years in the private sector and the foundation for brands on a mission. Because what I did, I realized very quickly that business marketing outperforms public charity. And I joined the marketing team instead of the CSR, the corporate communication team. I, you know, I went to work to learn everything about the four P's of marketing, product, price, place, promotion. Seeing how packaging would trigger a mother to want to wash her hands and pricing, to understand how you create affordable products and write advertising to change behavior. But my training and my upbringing, I just not predicted that I would do public health in a corporation, let alone close to the business and brands. And my parents, who had spent their entire life working in the UN and, and NGOs, they just could not see what kind of career I would have in a corporation. But I could see how business could both pioneer and operationalize new ways to address social justice for its work. And I made that my purpose. And the reason I'm sharing this story with you, it's because that for me is the foundation of the book, Brands on a Mission, that I have here, right? So I spent yeah. 15 years in one of the best marketing organizations, Unilever, to see how this worked. 10 of those have been on LifeWay, the world's largest hand-washing antibacterial soap, I co-founded Global Handwashing Day, an advocacy day that was recognized by the UN and celebrated every 15th of October by 500 million people in over 100 countries. I developed the largest schools program ever done, reaching 450 million children in 35 countries. And I also took this brand from being a regional Asian concept to a global billion euro brand present across all continents. And a brand that attracts and wins Cannes Awards regularly inspirational communication a brand that every retailer wants to stop, a brand that has made Unilever and its sustainable living plan famous while saving life. Worlds like movement, mission, purpose is exactly what I've tried to tackle in the book that you can see here. So that for me is the background to my, I guess, my life and career and the reason why purpose is so deeply entrenched in what I believe and live. Yeah, and you've had so much experience in hand washing. And we've all realized very recently how important that hand washing has been. It's amazing, actually, that you've been able to leverage that even also within the pandemic. Focusing now on the brands on a mission and the framework that's provided there for brands and companies to adopt. What's the most crucial aspects of this framework for a brand? 
Well, I think for me, the big thing was how do I bridge the divide between what brands say versus what they do, right? Is there an yeah. opportunity to make sure that you can keep brands accountable and they can really walk the talk, right? So if you go back to this one billion journey that I did, the word movement really applies. Like the work that I spearheaded, led, co-created became a movement to change the hand-washing behavior of one billion people over a 10-year period. And, you know, it was not my achievement alone, but the work of many, an achievement of yeah. a joint team who believed in a shared purpose, in co-creating solutions with the marketplace so that change could really happen. But most importantly, a marketing team was able to address the social challenge of solving this one billion goal. So, I mean, I think my background as a PhD in handwashing and then sitting with the world's largest soap manufacturing, you know, made it real. Like It was like <laughs> business and specifically marketing leaders can deliver change. And if you can address real suffering in the world, you can do tremendous good and deliver real value, value for the business, build world-changing brand. And for that, purpose is not an option. It's a massive, non-negotiable. And I think handwashing showed us that very clearly. Absolutely. So in what ways have you seen ABM Bev utilize this framework? Yeah, I've been working closely with ABM Bev for the last two years. And I have to say it came as a complete shock and surprise for me that there was so much similarities in terms of what I had done in driving the world's largest soap company and then the world's largest beer company. And the reason why that is, is I remember when I wrote my Harvard Business Review article for which I made the cover in May 2020, it was all around, how should I say that? It was all around lessons that we could learn from health and well-being. And the lessons in which we could learn in terms of health and well-being was around companies that are walking the talk and that are tackling not just an individual problem, but societal problem as a world. Because the truth is that, you know, the world has big problems and the world has also big companies like ABM Bev, for example. And with some of these corporations that are sometimes larger than states, business can be a force for good. But, you know, sometimes it's not, right? And I think the key thing here was that all of a sudden I learned about the power that beer brands, for example, have in terms of shaping norms around, for example, toxic masculinity, or in this case, positive masculinity, they chose to do so, right? And sometimes what marketing and brands can do is to be able to shape and tell the world what positive masculinity could actually be. What can we actually do in terms of drinking more moderately? So that means transforming the business model, for example, of ABI to think about how do we keep our consumer drinking moderately for a longer period of time, but still drinking with a different level of portfolio. And this is how I started working on smart drinking. This is how I started working, for example, on non-alcoholic and no-alcoholic beer. And how we started thinking about how the norms that we deal with, whether we're talking about drinking and driving, for example, and how terrible this could be for society, is actually for society in terms of number of deaths. But also in terms of, for example, underage drinking, or for example, in terms of gender-based violence, as we discussed, or just avoiding seaport beach drinking by getting people to eat at the same time as they're drinking. And I think this purpose washing leaves depleted communities and fails to solve the big problem. And that is the problem when you're not tackling it properly and you're just doing something very superficial that is not embedded into the business and that everybody within the company feels that this is clear. And we've seen that because the number of brands within ABM Bev that are now applying to social norms campaigns and wanting to submit every year social norms campaigns is increasing every year. So that means that embedding social norms is transforming the business in a positive way that they can see that the beer category can be moved from being, I don't know, a vice to a virtue, if that makes any sense. 
And I think with some of these campaigns, not only are they doing good, but they're great creative campaigns. And so many of them have won Cannes Awards that it shows that both can be achieved, both the creativity, the impact and that appeal to consumers. Miriam, you've been doing such a great job with us internally here at ABM Bav. Can you just share a little bit more about that work? So we, friends on a mission, have been partnering with ABI to create a social norms toolkit, for example, that we share to all marketeers across ABI. We've been running social norms masterclass. We've been coaching internal brands to come up with better social norms marketing campaign, enabling them to do more of this campaign so that they're better funded and better deployed. And, you know, we believe very strongly that this is the future of where alcoholic beverages lie, for example, in terms of smart drinking. We want brands to lead the way, right? I think the other thing that we've been doing with ABI is also trying to translate purpose and smart drinking as a competitive advantage for the brands of ABI so that it is embedded, there's more funding towards that, and there's clarity in terms of how this is going to differentiate their brands out there in the market. So what purpose-driven business trends are you seeing at the moment and how do brands keep up with these trends? I see many brands that are thinking about platforms around the planet, right? And just trying to do a lot of green work and plastics and all of this. But you see a lot of them also being called out for greenwashing, right? And similarly on purpose, there is a real desire to drive progressive viewpoints and progressive values across the world through their marketing and through their products. But the problem for me is when that's done very superficially, right? And that becomes a real problem. And that stops us from having brands on a mission that can shape society for the better and right some of this wrong. But in order for this to happen, you kind of need what I call a mission, right? And by that, and this is why the book is called Brands on a Mission, right? Is, is to say that, you know, brands on a mission and missions in general is that if you can embed a measurable, actionable mission that creates a regenerative model that rewards the consumer with more than a feeling of belonging, it also gives them more rewards to them. And for that, you need to bring your mission to life. You need to move away from broken business model. And you need to use as inspiration, really thinking about, okay, well, there is so many problems and purpose and SDGs targets that I should be able to tackle as a brand and as a business model. But the truth is that not all of this actually is embedded into, you know, everything that I need to change about access to my products, making it more affordable, transforming my communication to encourage better use of my products. All of this needs to happen and be fought through as well. Yeah. And you mentioned the SDGs. And of course, those United Nations Sustainable Development Goals are critically important for businesses and really the kind of blueprint for everybody to lean on and from a corporate standpoint and a brand standpoint, be able to make the impact that we can have as a business and throughout the entire supply chain as well as leveraging our consumers. So what does the future of social impact and business growth through purpose look like? Well, it means, for me, I look at three things. So embedding some of these values, ethics, for example, the work we're doing with social norms, right? So embedding that into the internal capacity so that marketeers understand the power that they have in terms of shaping positive norms. So there's everything around embedding that. There's everything around kind of building those business models and more example of successful business models that drive social impact. And then there is everything else around just growing the influence of companies that are doing a really good job. And, you know, for example, I mean, we as Brands on the Mission, because Brands on the Mission, the book exists, but there's Brands on the Mission, the company as well, right? So Brands on the Mission as a company is a B Corp that's helping accelerate the impact of health and well-being across brands and companies. And we've been partnering with ABI to create a social norms toolkit 
that we will share to all marketeers across ABI, enabling them to do more of these campaigns, better funded, better deployed. And, you know, I think this is where the future of alcoholic beverages lie in smart drinking. And we want the brands of ABI to really lead the way because we all know that a drink is a drink and there's a real opportunity again to transform the beer category from vice for virtue. But that means that we need to be all committed to embedding those. We need to make sure that marketeers understand fully that there's a real understanding of what the world has to offer, including the SDGs and what space some of these brands could take as a platform to be able to land that in. So I think for me, that's a really important objective and goals that we would try to land. Yeah. And it's great to hear you talk about the fact that a drink is not a drink. Beer is so unique and has really very different attributes in terms of the product itself, but also in terms of the social and economic impact of the entire beer category. I joined your website, the Brands and Emission website, miriamsadibi.com. I'm sure our listeners will also look to that for additional resources. But is there any final thoughts that you want to leave the listeners with if they want to start embarking on this journey? Yeah, thank you very much for directing people to our websites and to our resources. They're all being updated, so you might find a new version very soon. But you know, the reason why I'm so excited to be today on this podcast is because what you do really matters, right? The fact that you're bringing this angle of what inspiring more businesses and more brands to think about what good they could do in this world is really important. And it takes podcasts like the one we're on today to inspire the private sector to tackle large-scale public health and social issues. And for that, you know, I'm very clear that brands are critical contenders in the fight for social justice because they have the most powerful weapon of all. They have a relationship with the people that they sell to, not to do for them or to take from them, but to be in a mutually beneficial relationship where we all profit from progress. And I think that is something that's absolutely critical. People that are inspired and really think, could we really do something with the private sector? If it is somebody from the public sector listening to know that there is an opportunity to change the world and embrace a renewed sense of capitalism or enlightened capitalism in a way that we will be able to change the way we see those business models as being more inclusive and more impactful on social justice. Well, fantastic final words. We all benefit from progress. I think that's a fantastic way to leave. Miriam, thank you very much for joining on the show. And I'm so excited to see you again soon. Thank you so much, Elaine. It's been amazing to have those conversations and to really stop thinking of ourselves as only marketing officers, but also to really think about what we can do when we embrace a mission. So thank you so much. And I hope that together we continue delivering great solutions out there. My thanks to Miriam Sadibe for sharing her insight with us. It's amazing when you think that doing good can also help grow your brand and what that means for the broader impact. In her book, Miriam explains that while having a mission is important, it's imperative to follow through. It's not enough to just talk about your mission, but you have to walk the walk and communicate that mission to both your consumers as well as your internal teams. If you'd like to learn more about brands and a mission, please visit their website at brandsandemission.com. And if you'd like to learn more about AB InBav, please visit ab-inbav.com. Once again, a big thanks to our listeners. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us. And if you think others will enjoy it too, please share. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening. We are AB InBav.
This is Elise Puma from the AB InBev legal team. This podcast was recorded and is being made available by AB InBev solely for informational purposes and is general in nature. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed or provided in this podcast, including by speakers who are not officers, employees, or agents of AB InBev, are not necessarily those of AB InBev and may not be current. AB InBev does not make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the content contained in this podcast, nor does AB InBev offer any sort of legal, financial, or other advice in the podcast content. Any liability, therefore, is expressly disclaimed. Certain of the statements may have been forward-looking in nature and based on current expectations and views of future events and developments of the speakers, and are naturally subject to uncertainty and changes in circumstances. AB InBev does not undertake any obligation to provide any form of update, amendment, change, or correction to any of the information, statements, comments, views, or opinions set forth in this podcast.